Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Class 1A podcast. My name is Andrew James Green, as always. Alongside me, I'll have Dylan Beal continuing our prep for Season 5. We have already done our top 10 non-spoiler things we're looking forward to based off of the trailers, the key art, all that on YouTube. Today, we're going to be going through the Season 4 recap. Next week's the Season 5 primer, and we also have a spoiler version of the top 10 things we are most looking forward to in season 10. So if you're already caught up, like both me and Dylan are in the manga, you can also get uh, hear us talk about some of the favorite things we think are going to happen this upcoming season. But before any of that, Dylan, how are you feeling about all the season five content coming up? And how do you feel about going back and talking about season four? Um, I'm just really excited. I'm so excited about this season. And honestly, I really needed to go back and rewatch season four because, wow, I forget how incredible it was. And I think binging through it was such a different experience than actually going episode yeah. by episode. And I don't know, I'm I, I'm still getting like flutters in my heart thinking about like some of the episodes because they were so good. Yeah, season four was phenomenal. Just watched, I, I think since we watched episode by episode last year, I think I watched it two or three times. And I feel like each time I've watched it, it's gotten a little better and I appreciated different aspects of it each season. And season four is definitely something unique. But that's what this episode is to talk about. So I don't want to talk about it too much here at the beginning. But... If you guys have been here with us for a while, how we used to do season recaps when we first started um, Class 1A is they used to be like an hour and a half, two hour dumps talking about everything. I think I'd recap like every single episode, all that kind of stuff. Well, with season four, we're going to do it a little different because that was back when we didn't have time to do every single episode leading up to season four. But Class 1A started going into season four. So we have like 20 to 30 minute minimum videos on each and every episode of 24 minutes with me, Dylan and James talking through all that so if you really want a deep dive of individual moments in each episode go back and check out those that's gonna be the best place for that how me and Dylan are gonna tackle it today is it's gonna be a little shorter one kind of be normal to 30 to 40 minutes tops and it is going to be talking about season four as a whole and then going through each of the four main arcs which is the Shihasaki remedial course school festival and then pro hero arc I'm gonna go recap each one of these at a very high level and then we're gonna talk about it talk about our thoughts on it favorite moments maybe any feedback we have anything like that so kind of doing a much higher level recap than we have in the past so just a little bit of information on these before before we start talking about anything it originally aired in 2019 in japan on july 6th and went all i mean i'm sorry originally went from october 12th 2019 and went all the way to april 4th 2020 so it has been lit just under a year since the season has ended um it went from chapters 125 to 193 kind of there's a little bit there which i want to talk about when we get to that arc and it is including of the four arcs we talked about the shihaski remedial school festival and pro hero arc with the shihaski arc being the second longest arc to date which is what makes it so good because there's so much content inside of that but dylan if you had to before talking about all this just kind of a ballpark where would you have season four out of the four would it be a confident number one would it kind of be a close top couple? Would it be towards the bottom? What's your overall feeling about season four? So it can't be the top because that's season one, obviously. Season one is the yep. best best thing ever made. Um, but I think it's actually up there. Um, I think it's pretty high up there just because, I honestly, I think it's the beginning um, and the end. I think the Shia Saikai and the pro hero arcs just completely, completely carry the season. They're just so yeah. strong that it's it's hard not to like place it really highly. Yeah, and that's what I want to kind of talk about is those, those two arcs are phenomenal. And I have some feedback, let's say, on the other two or thoughts, but after watching through on the other two arcs a couple of times there. But 
I think I agree. Season one is always phenomenal. And there are so many highs and lows of season four that I feel like of any other, I feel like each other season kind of paces really well, kind of with the buildup, especially season one as Deku trains, he gets into UA and then it all ends with the, um, the invasion by the league of villains. And there's so many other seasons where it all feels like kind of builds up while with this, it feels like it spikes early on in the season. Then there's a little bit of a lull with some really cool moments and then it spikes again. So it's just a very different experience. And that's kind of what I'm excited to talk about with you because the first arc we're going to dive into is the Shihaski arc, which I, as I said, is one of the longest arcs and it introduces us to so many characters. So before we talk about that, let's just kind of do some very high level stuff of everything that happened here. So pretty much it continues on with actually really meeting the big three. I think we got a little bit of tease of it at the end of season three, but this is where we actually get the full reveal of the uh, big three, learning about Mirio, Amajiki, Hado, and who they are, what they do. And then it goes into having the actual fight of Mirio going against all of class 1A and ultimately kicking his ass. Um, from there, we do go on to pretty much learning about the new generation and old generations of villains. So we have the first encounter between the Shihaski and the League of Villains where um, there is some bloodshed. We learn about the possibility of something that removes quirks and kind of setting up the tension there, but also that there's going to be the possibility of these two groups working together. Around the same time, we also do get the introduction of Sir Night Eye and that some students are going to have the option to do not work studies. Um, is it, is work, it called an internship? Work, it work is work studies. studies. Yeah, work studies where the couple could do it. And Deku obviously wants to do one. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. And he asked to go and work for All Might's old sidekick, Night Eye, where All Might is very hesitant first, but then has Deku introduced to Mirio, who then takes him in there. And we had the great scene of him jumping around the room, the conversation, the initial um, kind of meeting between those two and learning that Sir Night Eye knows about um, One for All and that he wanted Mirio to have it instead, but ended up allowing Deku into the agency. Um, it goes on there. There's a couple other students that do end up getting into the work agencies, but obviously Deku and Mirio and their relationship is the main part of this arc. And eventually we do get the first run into Eerie with overhaul alongside of that we saw earlier on in the season. And that something wasn't quite right, which ended up leading to a very long investigation of the Shihaski, which had already been going on and that they may have some kind of quirk destroying or quirk halting bullet, which is also thanks to a mini arc within this of seeing um. Oh my God, uh, Kirishima. I am blanking names. Kirishima, Fakum, and Amajiki. Thank you very much. I struggled there for a second. Um, having a little bit of a run-in, we saw Unbreakable Red Ride for the first time. We get alerted about Amajiki's power. We get to meet a, a fan favorite, Fakum, and but that Amajiki at one point lost that to a very similar bullet that happened in the first confrontation between the two Volt groups, which eventually led to a giant grouping of all the work study students and then a bunch of pro here agencies that go in and take on the Shihaski. Whole bunch of mini moments in there that we can pick and choose what we want to talk about after the recap. But ultimately, it ends up with Overhaul and Deku having a big fight, with Muriel losing his quirk to one of the actually quirk-destroying bolts instead of just minimal one, and that we learning the full power of Eerie's quirk, which allowed Deku to go 100% for the entire fight against Overhaul without destroying his body and then ultimately Sir Night Eye dying at the very end of the arc. 
is there anything else I've really missed in that? Or is that pretty much hidden on a lot of the key moments? There's so many cool moments inside of that. But for the overall, I think that's kind of the yeah, general Yeah, I plot. think the important bit is right at the end of uh, ultimately what happens to these bullets. And that is that the League of Villains oh. kind of sort of turned on, uh, on the Yakuza. And they ended up taking it after they were defeated. And Overhaul got his both of his arms absolutely destroyed. Um, but now the League of Villains do have these bullets. Yes, and we do. And Overhaul is still in prison. They didn't kill him or anything. And he has been now locked up. But obviously without the use of his arms, much less dangerous. But I guess we've spent a lot of time talking about so many specific things in here. We've talked about the big three in so many moments. I think we've talked a lot about Fatcom on that. This arc introduces me, I've realized, to like three or four of like my top ten favorite characters ever. Which is so cool that this arc, despite being so long and the buildup taking a long time to get to the actual raid part of this arc. But those first, like, I don't know, six, seven episodes, I feel like, were just a buildup. It's still super interesting. You get the tense moment. You get the Mirio show off. You get the Sir Knight Eye pretty much hating Deku moment and Mirio just being clueless about it. There's so many cool moments just in the buildup and the introduction of characters here. And Hiroshima instantly became one of my favorite characters, too as Unbreakable Red Ride happened. I mean, I could talk about this arc alone for an hour. Yeah, and I mean, before we really dive into, like, all that kind of stuff, I just want to make, like, a special announcement, just so everyone knows. Um, yes, I will be marrying Bubble Girl. You know, <laughs> everyone here is invited. Why? Um, no, but I, I, I definitely agree. I thought the characters for this were incredible. Not only were the new characters incredible, but like you were saying, like, even the old characters, it felt like we, we met them for the first time in a whole new light. Like Hiroshima, Hiroshima was like this shining star of this arc and everything about him was so cool. And it was so unexpected that, you know, during this arc, we would just get all this backstory and all this information about him and get his motivations. And I, I just think he's such a cool character now. And he's definitely, and one it was of my all in a very little amount of time. I think like he really only got a spotlight for three, maybe four. It, episodes, it was like depending three, on yeah. where, where the cuts goes, the two at the beginning um, of the season kind of with that and then ultimately in the fight against Rappa and whatever the shield villain was um, with Fatgum in the raid arc I mean we got a full backstory episode kind of there about his original like interactions with Mina and all that kind of stuff and all of that was unexpected like after we got the first kind of two episode focus on him with Fatgum I thought that was all we're going to get and then to get even more backstory which is still better and didn't feel out of place or too much was amazing for him. Mm -hmm. Another thing I really liked about this season is that one of my favorite things about My Hero and like universes when they spin up like this is because they change things a lot. I like whenever we answer the question, how does X operate in this universe? Yes. And this this answered the question, how does the Yakuza look? Because obviously with the invention of quirks and the invention of villains, it's like, okay, well, the Yakuza, who is like a crime organization, what do they even look like nowadays? Are they... Are, are they villain organizations? Uh, you know, and then this kind of answers the question of, yeah, they kind of like went to the wayside. They're considered nobodies now, like in the underworld. They just kind of exist. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I really like the world building around that to give us that little bit of information. Yeah, and that they're pretty much under the scope of heroes usually, only taking care of police, and they're more or less extinct at this point is kind of what they've built it out to be. And then setting up that thing, because it is very cool thematically as well overhauls the mask and like how they designed the nine bullets like 
all the character design for the Yakuza fit while still also fitting in a quirk-based world where everyone's going to be a little different and a little more kind of mutated, but they still give off those very kind of gangster Yakuza vibes. So all the character design for the uh, Shihaski was amazing as well here. And I I know this, we're going to spend the longest time talking about this arc because we'll have to do that a couple or a lot shorter here. But before we get too far in, Mirio is definitely someone we have to talk to you because he has like a three season arc in a single, I mean three, like a whole character arc in like a single arc it feels like here because he's introduced. He's this incredibly power one. He should have been the next one for all holder. He goes on and pretty much just destroys any shame thing he interacts with. He goes to fight overhaul. He would have won there, but then he had to protect the person. Even after losing his quirk, he still is almost able to beat overhaul by himself. Like, he goes through so many emotions. It is just a roller coaster for Mirio here in an, a matter of 12 episodes. And he's a fan favorite. People want him. We talk about him all the time on the podcast now. And definitely one of the parts that make this arc so amazing. Yeah. And I think he answers the question that the series always poses constantly is what does it mean to be a hero? And he kind of answers yeah. that in such a good way. And he's such a cool character. I love his like little beady eyes. Like he looks like a Tintin character and... He's so cool. The The one thing, the one thing I, I wanted to bring up because I noticed it on my second watch through that I felt like was a missed opportunity is his whole quirk. His quirk kind of sucks unless he really trains at yeah. it and gets good. Then it's, you know, OP basically. But his whole thing was like being able to activate his quirk at certain parts of his body, right? And like he turns it on and off basically to, yep. to, to go through stuff. Why did they not have that conversation with Deku? When he was learning how to use his uh his his like air cannon blast, I know this is going into the next arc a little bit, but I think it's important here. Why, yeah, why did he is someone that's a master? That no, because no, because they have the same exact conversation. All Might and Deku have the same exact conversation about oh yeah, well you need to activate uh like uh one yeah. for all just a little bit in this part of your body so you're not activating all at once. I, when I heard that conversation. I, I, I was like, why isn't this with Mirio? It would have been so cool with Mirio. I, and, and I think that's what I'm getting at is Mirio teaches Deku a lot during this arc. Yes. Um, he's like a he's acting like a like a really good like mentor within UA. And I wish I like I want to see more of that. Like I want to see Deku learn more from him because he's such a cool character and he knows a lot already. Yeah, that is just true. That is very much. And I'm sure how you can explain it out is all might not wanting to introduce him because of Sir Night Eye and all might being aware that Miru is supposed to be the next holder. Like there is story reasons of why, of why that conversation didn't happen earlier, but it would have been such a better way to do it. And if you introduce him a season earlier and then no one even like reveals that he's a big three, then he comes back in this season and like, Oh, I'm actually one of the three strongest people in the entire school or something like that could have been a little bit of a, a tease early on and then set up there. But, um, yeah, that would have been a really cool moment that I didn't think about too much. But I guess going through out all of this, I guess there's two routes we can go. We can talk about Sir Knight, uh, his relationship with All Might and all that. Or we can start talking about some of the badass fights that happened in the radar. I think these are two ways we kind of got to go with this. Both deserve the attention, but we only have so much time here. I think I think we talk about the fights, and I think my overall sentiment of the fights is very similar to what we talked about, I think, in the last uh, Top 10 episode is basically uh, there's a couple things you can do with fights to make them good. You can have the choreography, you can have the emotion behind it, or you can have the visuals. And my hero decides to do the visuals and the emotion really, really, yeah. really well. 
choreography wise the fights are all okay but oh man yep. the emotion behind every single fight this season is unreal yep it's I mean, just a couple of them, if you guys are kind of forgetting that right now. The Amajiki fight, when he was fighting all three of those, pretty much feeling super confident, then going up and down, like, his internal monologue, and then ultimately kicking ass using a combination of his quirks. The sword and shield fight with uh, Fat Gum and um, Kirishima, and then ultimately the giant battle, which had some really cool animations part of the uh, the, the end with Overhaul versus the, the, the big fists in the air. Yeah, that, that, and that's still one of my favorite moments ever. I think that was the first time I had ever taken a screenshot of an anime while watching it. That I had to stop and take a screenshot because it was so cool to me. Um, and then just also the Mirio fight. Like, there's so many little things here. You can even get a little bit of um, Hado and them early on fighting, um, fighting outside. Like, there's just so many moments here that are all very cool and a lot of emotions, like you said. That, yep, none of the fights are incredible. I would say maybe the um overhaul one has a little bit more choreography than the over rest of them but that was meant to be a very big key piece for the entire season so it makes sense that it's the beyond the normal fight. I, I think my favorite fight is actually the mirio overhaul fight um it's it's a really cool fight um but the moment of where he he gets shot with the bullet and he loses his quirk and without like him like understanding he lost his quirk and without like dropping like a beat he just still runs at overhaul and like grabs his arm and like just punches him raw. Oh my yeah. god! Like every every time I see that, it's just like it is incredible. Yeah. Like real emotion. Three to four hits in against a person that can instantly kill you is insane. Yeah. So I agree that those are both incredibly cool. And then I guess with the overall, that's the overall sentiment there. And then Sir Knight, I I think it was very cool getting this. I think it was very short lived the entire relationship with Sir Knight. I. I mean, again, like Mirio, who had an entire character arc in the Sir Knight, I literally did because he's dead now. There's not going to be much more with him now, but it set up the ultimate end for All Might. We got to see that, yes, there was actual conversations about the next holder of all One for All, that not everyone thought it should have gone to Deku, and that hurt the relationship. Like, there were some really cool moments that built out All Might's character as a whole, and the whole lineage of One for All. Yeah, I, I think... The, the thing with All Might, though, is still nebulous um, because he was like, you know, things I see always happen and they always happen. And then like at the very end, he was like, oh, I saw Deku die and then he didn't die. What's going on here is and there's like that weird conversation of like all the fates, the will, the willpower of everyone coming together at once in one location, changing fate or something. I, I want to do, like, a whole video on, on Sir Night Eye's quirk and talking about, like, the implications of it because on one end, if, if it's all this weird, like, willpower actually has, like, real power upon fate, that has a lot of implications behind it. Yeah. And then also, if his quirk does work, that has a lot of implications around, like, determinism and, like, the lack of, like, human will. And, and, and that's yeah, a big, that's that, it's a big, it's a, it's a big He topic. does say a little bit at one point, though, that, like, people's emotions do have a big impact on it as well, that he can't account for people's emotions. So that it can be a little off too, which I think is another reason of why, how they kind of explain away some of it. But I think that would be really cool, kind of a detail. Yeah, but I, I really fun. wonder if what he's going to be, what, what he saw for All Might is really going to happen or not. Um, I think it I think it could, um, but also they could very much, you know, Horikoshi hand wave it away. Yeah, that's true. But if you want to hear more about that, we actually did talk a little bit about that at the very end of our All Might deep dive episode that we just did, what, two weeks ago now? No, it was yeah, last it was week, last actually. Week. 
So go and check that out as well. We talked all about Isle All Might, which included a little bit of Sir Knight Eye, the quirk, his death, and all that kind of stuff towards the end. So if you want to hear our thoughts more about that, make sure to check that out there. But unless you got any last closing thoughts, I think we move on to the remedial course arc. Yeah, go for it. So this is actually an arc I forgot because my last watch through, I was watching with my girlfriend and she watched these couple episodes and we were just texting back and forth on it. So when I was preparing for this and I remembered how much fun this arc was, I got so happy. This is such a short arc, but it's so much fun because it is like just gives off like breakfast club energy of just the most ragtap group of characters coming together and like having a big learning moment at the end. For those of you that don't know, obviously Shoto and uh, Bakugo did not end up getting their hero lessons and they both failed for their own reasons the first time through. So they had to go back for the remedial course to get their licenses here. And they end up meeting Kami and Anasa and they end up having just this little adventure, just these four pretty much because they get separated out from the rest of the class where they have to deal with a bunch of little kids who are just all little shits. On top of this, we also do see that All Might and President Mikes were the ones that are kind of watching over them and bringing them here. And we get to see a conversation, well, very small conversation between All Might and Endeavor. We also see some character growth from Shoto and Anasa with their relationship there and kind of getting over that. Bakugo having a very touching moment when talking to kind of the boss kid. And just overall, it was a very fun arc, very short, and not too many specific moments in it. We can talk about some of our favorite actual things, but... It ended up pretty much just setting up that these two now have their hero license, so they're now caught up with everyone. It was very cool to see that the future number one talking to the old number one. And then ultimately, a little bit of the closing up of uh, the relationship between Anasa and Endeavor. I guess that was hanging out there a little bit. And then finally, this did include the one episode where Ayama was being really, really weird. Oh, yeah. It's included in this arc. Where he left like the cheese platter outside of Deku's room. And then we get like the random character backstory about Aoyama because apparently Horikoshi thought we all wanted that. Where if he didn't have his belt on, the laser goes all over. So we can talk about that a little if you want. But it was just a weirdly weird episode. But that is included here. and They're not best friends. Don't worry. Yeah, I think the, the big implications from this arc, like obviously it's a super fun arc. and But I, I, I always like to look at arcs and say, what? why did we have this arc? What's the yeah. really important information we got here? And I think the, the the meta thing I wanted to pull out of this that might not be super apparent is the quirk singularity. Uh, oh, that's issue. true. I forgot to mention. I, that. I think I think that's something that's super important. That like it, it's something that we need to we need to think about and just put it in the back, put it in the back of your head for a little bit. Um, I, I'm sure one day it's going to come up. Uh, and basically, it was talking about that as generations go on, and you have people with quirks having children with people who have quirks. Um, you get, you know, multi-quark children. But what is or that? more powerful. And who are more powerful. Overall. But what happens if that keeps going and you keep having all that? And then eventually, like, they call it the quark singularity because, you know, the power and the variety of quarks is just exponentially rising. Um, so I think, I, I, I don't know if there is going to be any grander kind of implications for this. I don't know if it's something that, like, another series kind of covers or yeah. maybe a spin-off. That's what it feels like. It feels like... I mean, when you're talking about something that takes generations to happen, and obviously we're starting to see because these younger kids' quirks are incredibly strong early on at their young age already, so you're starting to see it now, but it didn't seem like any of them weren't able to control it or handle it or anything like that. So it almost feels like either it has to be a time jump if it's going to be in the main series or a follow-up series, kind of maybe talking about the end of quirks or how society is dealing with people no longer being able to control their quirks and 
turning into almost my, like there's a lot of different ways you could go with it, but I think it is our best sign that there could be a potential follow-up series because it makes sense that it doesn't fit the main story, but it is also a really big thing set up for the far future in the main series. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting coming off of the heels of the overhaul arc on his whole deal being, you know, quirks are sickness that need to be healed and that he was going to take away all the quirks. And then we yeah. have right after that, this discussion about, yeah, there, you know, quirks are actually kind of getting out of control and in the future, this, this could be actually really bad. But we won't talk about that. So I, I think having those back-to-back um, incredible placement, um, and it's a little bit hard to see, especially since you're, we were going like week by week. It was a little bit harder to pick up on it, but definitely blasting through can kind of see those two big things, which I think I think are pretty interesting. Yeah. And then another thing that I think is cool, because I don't know how much implication it has on the actual story, but it was a moment that I didn't expect to see was when Endeavor came to watch not only Shoto, but also to talk with All Might. And pretty much asked the question of what does it mean to be the symbol of peace? And I think that's just such a cool conversation where all my pretty much saying this, there is no one way to be the symbol of peace. And we don't get to see a lot of the conversation. There is a little bit of a kind of flashback during the pro hero arc where a couple of all my words are coming through as Endeavor standing up on the stage. But it's not too much there, but this isn't a moment I expected to see. But thinking back and looking back now on it, it makes so much sense is that there are so many unfinished feelings between these two well mainly between endeavor all might always knew endeavor had a feelings but endeavor's been working so hard and this is just how he becomes a number one hero now is because all might can no longer fight more or less and asking that and showing that continuing redemption arc for endeavor that's slowly been building over time that he really does want to step up and be in the all might role he doesn't just want to be the strongest but he wants to try to find a way to be another symbol of peace and keep everyone safe now that All Might's gone, which is not a question I feel like Season 1 Endeavor would have asked. I, I don't know. I I still have no sympathy for Endeavor here. I mean, it, to me, what it seems like is that uh, All Might has stepped out and now he's finding himself in this number one role that he always wanted. And then he is feeling the pressure of everyone wanting him to be All Might. And so he's like kind of cracking under that and trying uh, to ask these questions to All Might. I don't think it really comes... I don't know. It, it comes off as not super genuine. Um, I don't know. Endeavor's a jerk, man. I don't like him. Yeah. He was mean, he was mean <laughs> to Shoto. I like Shoto. I know, yeah. You, you're, you're never forgiven uh, Endeavor. But I guess while Shoto's in here and he gets the pro license exam, I feel like Bakugo's the last character that kind of had a moment here of growth. I feel Real like growth, every, yeah. all, all the three other ones had cool moments. We finally learned what actually happened to Kami during the actual hero license is that she was just found and wasn't harmed. After Toga took her quirk and uh, blood and all that, but uh, Bakugo having this moment towards the end of talking, I, I should have looked up exactly what the conversation was about, but it was more or less saying that you don't always have to be this way, that having actual friends rather than having people below you and kind of that conversation of true companionship rather than bossing everyone around can be just as rewarding, I think, showing a little bit of his relationship with Deku, but also his growth overall as a character of no longer in season two at the school festival arc where he's saying that all you guys are below me. I don't care about any of you to now saying like, no, we need to actually work together at least a little bit to make things happen, especially during this time, which I think is going to play well into season five. And that's what I'm very excited about with this growth moment, because this is really the main Bakugo we got all season. He was shown so little this season, but he still had a really big moment that stuck out to me. 
Yeah, and don't forget the other great moment with Bakugo and Todoroki is the glamour versions of them, um, which yeah. is where they just look very pretty, which Todoroki's glamour version was made by Kami, but Bakugo was just, he, he, he was just trying to look cute. Um, yeah, he knew how to do it himself already. Yeah, which I, yeah, I, I want to talk about uh, Cam, uh, Kami's quirk real quick, because it's really interesting that her quirk kind of is really close to what what uh, Toga's was. Yeah. Which, which makes sense, like, it kind of makes sense is, I assume the reason why she was targeted is because it was a very similar quirk and that if she went into it and was like transforming into other people, it wouldn't look off. It would look like, oh, that's that's vaguely what her quirk does. Like, and, and she can kind of get away with, you know, being in disguise a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense, too. And um, I guess that's too much. But it, it, I mean, I'm really glad that we finally got the answer to Cammy because that was something that I was wondering about for a long time until she just showed back up here. So I'm glad we got that closing arc, and this is definitely one of those episodes. I mean, this arcs where my love of Shoto went up a lot. Uh, Shoto Toroki is definitely my favorite character of the series at this point, and just some of his dry humor and interaction with the kids were some of my favorite during this arc as well. This so. is just a really funny arc overall. It is a really funny arc, um, and that moves into the UA School Festival arc, which is where I think the season starts to go down. If I'm being honest, it's breaking of the formula of the super serious fun kind of more serious fun where we have a super serious fun fun serious arc and i think this is what happens here so before i give my overall thoughts on that let's kind of go through the quick recap pretty much this is two different things one we learning that they're gonna be a school festival class 1a is kind of freaking out as i was like hey not all about you like just because the heroes are attacking villains are attacking you guys and everything that's happened the other students need to have a normal day, which puts stress on Class 1A to come up with something that is going to try to make everyone forgive them and feel like everyone's happy again, which there's some conversation about that that's not always going to happen. And Baco kind of brings that up. is like, hey, just let's go out and do well rather than trying to make everyone happy. And they end up choosing a performance, which is based off of Jiro. Jiro has a little bit of a spotlight here. Um, we also see Mirio and Deku going and seeing Eri. Eri wanted to talk to them after the whole arc, thanking them and such. And and then ends up inviting them to come along to the school festival so that she could smile because Deku sees that she still isn't truly sage because the shadow of overhaul is hanging over all that. And more or less, Daddy Mirio becomes a thing in this arc as well, where he's not going to school anymore and he's just taking care of a child. So he's a single dad at this point. Um, and then Gentle Criminal and La Brava come in. We see a couple, he's pretty much like a YouTuber villain that's trying to get his name and he wants to become one of the most well-known villains. He has just the stick of a tea. He's always drinking tea. LeBrava's always recording it. We get a lot of backstory about these two. Um, Gentle being a dropout. Brava going to hero school or just middle school, not feeling like she fit in. She had this love quirk where it wasn't understood. She went to a dark, deep place, found Gentle, and that's kind of how they got together. And just kind of going on, and he wanted to pretty much make his final and biggest act of doing something to school festival. Not exactly sure what he was trying to do there, but pretty much go and try to ruin the UA school festival because of how tight security is and all that to help boost up his villain name. Deku and Gentle have a big fight. We realize they're kind of similar. Deku tries to get Gentle in less trouble. Gentle tries to take all the blame. They both go get locked up away by Hound Dog and Ectoplasm. And their arc kind of ends there. And then it kind of goes back to a couple other things. Was we're continuing to prep for the school festival. Uh, Baku goes on drums. They're doing the light show. All that kind of stuff. 
Um, we also get to see Deku learning the air cannon here. He, I'm jumping around a little bit. I'm trying to explain arcs one at a time, but um, he's now able to use full calling at 20 cents and 20 percent, but going to a higher percent, which just his finger allows him to shoot out air blasts and things such as that. So kind of an evolution of his quirk. And then pretty much from there, we have a couple moments with May where we get a couple of new items. We learned All Might once had items that didn't work, but I was impressed with how Maze is. Um, we get the pageant with Kendo, the third year, and Hado. And then ultimately, we get the school performance, um, which is kind of a banger, and the overall interactions of the school festival. So I think if you cut this arc in half and give the pro hero arc those episodes this season's multiple times better yeah i think all of this drags on just a little too long i think it, i think it does um i'm a little unsure of some of the reasoning behind it there's a lot of bits there's a lot of good bits here that i really like i yes. like the stuff with may i like the i like the overall idea of uh of gentle like i i like what he's kind of talking about a little bit um but it maybe it could have been in a different form. I, I, I just think it could have been in a different form um, and it would have been a little bit better. But like overall, I think I think the stuff that we got from it was good. Just the execution just wasn't quite there. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I like the gimmick. I like his backstory, but I feel like his backstory was a half an episode where it could have been wrapped up into two or three minutes. I feel like we could have cut out some of the earlier YouTube videos and moments. Like I just feel like they tried to flush him out a little bit where he was a deep character and his reasoning behind all of it was fine. But all of that happened in one moment, all of the growth and kind of emotions that I feel from gentle happened in one episode, whereas the backstory and the fight with Deku, everything before that I had no interest in them and all the time they spent on them just didn't build up anything. So I felt that's where I feel like some of that space could be removed or you give some of that backstory in smaller chunks and give it some back there to kind of make those earlier moments with gentle feel like they mean something. Otherwise they're trying to make him be like a threat without really making him a threat. Like I didn't know what to ever feel when seeing gentle on screen until the fight with Deku. So I never really enjoyed having him on screen. Yeah, I, so, I, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the cool little bit that we get is like the like the weird like uh, quirk law like that we get not quirk law, but hero law, we get a little bit of like, insight into that. Um, and then we also get a little bit of backstory on like some old, uh, old villains from like the old days and stuff, which is pretty yep. cool. Like, like I said, it's a lot of little bits that are really good. It's just they just don't quite come together as well. Um, but at the end of it, we do get that really awesome uh, music piece by the class, which is which is yeah. Really cool. We do get the music, and it, it is a fun arc. I don't want to take away from it. I don't have a problem with the fun arc after being after a fun arc, and I think they put gentle in there to try to make break it up a little bit, and it didn't quite hit home. But I love Jiro getting a little bit of a spotlight. She's always been a character that I've enjoyed, but you don't really have enough time with her to ever really make her one of your favorites or really a favorite. So it was cool kind of seeing get her a little bit of attention. I like that they addressed the fact of Eerie could one day get control over Quirk to maybe reverse Mirror's Quirk. That opens up the door for that down the road. That she's going to be fine. That her horn is going down. And what actually happened with her because now she's just an orphan. So we get the answer to that. Like there are a lot of really cool moments in here. And even the class kind of having some internal monologue around it of like 
not trying to make everyone happy, just going out there and doing what they enjoy. Like there's some of those good, like mushy life lessons in here too, which come from Bakugo surprisingly, but it just feels like it goes on a little too long. I mean, the opener is amazing. So I'm glad the second half of the season went on. So we got more star maker, but yeah, I guess I don't have too much to say about it. I love seeing Deku evolve his quirk a little bit more, having the air cannons, but I don't have much to say. And I definitely think I can confidently say this is my least favorite heart arc in the entire show. I mean, I think I would agree. It's really, it's a kind of harsh thing to say, but if you also look at all the arcs in My Hero, all of them are good. And it's not like this is bad. It's not like we no. were like drudging through it. It doesn't hit it. as well as everything else. Yeah, uh, it, it's still a good arc, but like in the grand scheme of like the, the, the good amongst the great, it's going to be obviously like low. Yeah. And especially when you go back and have it sandwiched between even a, right before this was a really fun arc that like everyone really enjoyed with Shoto and Todoroki and, Todoroki and all that. And then the beginning and the end of the season is just these big action moments too. So this one doesn't hit on the humor. It doesn't hit on the action moments. So it just doesn't perform as well as anything else in the season, but it is still a good arc. I know a lot of people do enjoy it, but let's talk about instead a good of, arc. Yeah. I was about to say, instead of continuing just to talk about how bad this is, Let's move on to the Pro Hero arc, which is really only a couple of episodes, but some really big things in here. So one, um, we learn about the Japanese billboards and hero billboards and pretty much how that works. The Pussycat Dolls come back and explain that they're back in action, that yes, one of them never got their quirk back, the other didn't work, but she's just an office cat now. So we're all happy with that. And then explaining how that works, that pretty much it's based off of a couple of main things. And we kind of went over that actually um, when making the Kaminari a top 10 hero. But it's pretty much public opinion, cases solved, um, and there's one other one too, like just kind of general good things done as well. Yeah, like 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 general like doing good in the community. Yeah, so pretty much those three things, and based off of those three things, you are then assigned a rank between one and whatever, and that is how All Might has been officially considered the number one endeavors, been the number two, and so on for the last couple of seasons. So. Pretty much, we don't actually get to see any of the students really go there, but we get to go through the actual experience of the top 10 being named, where we meet a lot of the new characters. We meet Wash, we meet Mirko, um, we get to see Edge, we get to see Edge shot again. And most importantly, we get to the top couple few, where Best Genist, who is currently out of commission, but he is number three. We see Hawks, who is a brand new inner character. We've seen him a little bit in the movie at this point, and we had seen him or appeared of him briefly with his internship um, earlier on, but we actually get to meet him and see who he is. We learn he's a super young hotshot that quickly grown up, one of the youngest people to ever start an agency and so on. And then Endeavor is officially named the number one hero. But during this, we also get Hawks kind of fanning the flames per se, kind of revving up Endeavor being the number one and his thoughts on that. Uh, Best genius is only number three because he was injured and all the public support and that Endeavor was kind of farther down the list in public support. And more or less just kind of trash talking and showing that he's a very cocky hero. Um, after the whole kind of actual billboards, Hawks and Endeavor have a little bit of moments where Endeavor's just pissed off and about to burn Hawks alive. But Hawks says, no, I want to actually work with you, number one. Come back to me with my hometown and look into the pretty much all these rumors of Nomu's existing all over the country, but not actually existing. Kind of like wife tales is how he describes it. Um, we see Hawks is super popular. Endeavor had a moment where he tries to shake a hand. Doesn't go well. Kind of showing the difference between the number one and two heroes and how the public views them. 
But then when they're having dinner up top, they're talking and Devers about to walk out when suddenly a high-end Nomu, the first high-end Nomu we see, Hood comes bursting in, being able to talk a little bit and wanting to fight the strongest. So the showdown between pretty much Hawks and Endeavor, but mainly Endeavor versus Hood begins. Whole lot of moments outside of this. Other Nomu's appear so that all the side heroes are taking care of it, but pretty much Hawks helps Endeavor ultimately destroy Hood. Endeavor loses an eye, almost is defeated. We have the moment of pretty much everyone giving up and the kids shouting in the camera. He's still fighting. Don't give up on him. And then ultimately him looking like a phoenix going straight up into the sky and doing plus ultra prominence burn, completely destroying him. Endeavor falling to the ground in smoke. And as I have chills because of how good a moment this still is, puts his hand up and the announcer saying, um, Endeavor standing. He's still what? This is his beginning. Something like that. In, I think, the best moment of the entire show up to this point. Uh, it's it's so good. This is definitely the highlight of... Oh. of it's it's one of the highlights of the season, which is... It's crazy. This is why I said that be the, the first arc and the last arc are the best. Because uh, both of them just absolutely chills throughout all of them. And this is just so incredible. It is definitely a top moment. It's up there with like the Camino fight with All Might. Um, yes. It's just between those two at this point. It's, it's, it's whichever incredible. one you want, you like more, and whichever has more emotions for you. For me, it's Endeavor. For I know so many people, it's All Might. But both of those are top-tier anime moments. Not even my hero moments. Anime moments because everyone I've ever watched it with has gotten chills, even if they're not a hardcore anime person. Because it's that good and there's that much emotion in both moments. And what a way to end the season on, right? Like, like how... Well, not a, exactly. So one thing I didn't mention because I was getting chilled and want to talk about this so much. The season actually ends with Deku in bed in this weird dream shape with stuff covering his mouth. Seeing at least one of the previous, and we're assuming other previous, all for one, one for all holders with something happening in front of him and him waking up with a bunch of things destroyed in his room in a cold sweat, which is gone to all the unleashed marketing going to season five. But that's the true way it ends, but I agree overall as an arc, what a way to end the, yeah. the show. I, I, I don't know. I th This does get me excited a little bit to see Endeavor and see more of him. Like I said, I, I don't know. It, it's going to take a lot for Endeavor to like have a redemption or whatever. Um, but it, it is hard to deny that his fights are really cool. His fights are so cool. Yeah. Who, oh, the who, prominence who, burn, the spider flames or whatever it's called, where he literally sliced a building into like little chunks easily. We get to learn a little bit more about his quirk and why he wanted to create um, Shoto as well in this is that his body overheats during all this. So the ice half of Shoto is what will allow him to become stronger theoretically and cool himself down. So I thought that was a little bit of an explanation and bringing up his dark past, but also why it's needed in a big fight like this. Yeah, I, I don't think we, we don't learn about it before, um, but later on in the Vigilante series, we see a scene with him and he actually has like a crew with him that like waters him down <laughs> to cool him off. Yeah. So he has an whole agency for that, but... I think overall, I love learning about the Japanese billboards kind of going back to the beginning of the art. And that, like, of course, they're in a whole big thing about this. Heroes are a huge thing. Like, they're all celebrities pretty much at this point. So, of course, there's big, like, a big nationalized event where they go through the rankings and announce the top 10 and all that kind of stuff. So, that makes so much sense. And that whole moment and getting teased of so many cool characters in such a short span. For me, the one is Miracle that stands out yes. um, for both of us. But I know you are a huge fan of Wash. And but there's just other ones too, and getting to see Ed Shot, getting to see uh, Kami Woods, 
and all kinds of other people kind of appear too that either we haven't seen in a while or teasing that there are so many other really powerful heroes that we haven't seen or don't know about yet and that you're going to get them eventually yeah which is it's it is definitely crazy that horikoshi can just make all these characters like if you tallied yeah. up all the characters in my hero it's it, it is like an unreal amount and all of them are unique and they're incredibly cool and you could go in i know horikoshi can do this can go in and give them an awesome backstory and motivation and have like probably a whole arc around them like that's yep. that's how talented he is and i'm just i'm just so excited there's so many cool characters yes yeah, so that i mean that's something i think we've talked about a little bit going for our seasons finally down smaller things it's seeing some of these more characters especially hawk which is pretty much outside of the last episode or two when the actual endeavor fight hawks is kind of the star of this arc no one knowing who he is and even he's be a star in the universe but he's a fan favorite character after only showing up in three episodes and something that i think we both agree that we want to see a lot more of in season five and learning more about him because he is a cocky uh, character but he's confident and can back it up with skills but he also seems to have like an actual good and want to take care of side because he's become so popular because of how much he takes care and how powerful his quirk is he's a very interesting character that needs to be flushed out to truly get the full experience with him i feel but i mean the high end nomu is another thing kind of scary to see up to this point nomu have always been very basic but this one was not only able to speak had multiple quirks but was pretty much able to fight head on the number one hero and also was able to spit out smaller nomu so definitely showing that the scale of the league of villains is definitely going up that even though we haven't seen them in a while their threat is still there and higher than ever if there's multiple of these or more of these it's not going to be easy for the heroes to win because it took it everything endeavor had to beat one of them which i think is a very important part to remember going in that shit's not as unequal as we think it is. Yeah, and I that, that the the old wives tale that they talk about about the Nomu being all around Japan is kind of like nerve wracking a little bit because it's like yeah. it's definitely possible. Is it is it like they're just they're, they're gathering something? Are they are they like planting Nomu to like all strike at once? Like what what is the implication that there's Nomu all over the place? So that's that that is that is something that like I think is gonna eventually we have to talk about it right like why is there nomu everywhere and is it going to be like a big battle against nomu like what is what does that look like yeah it's definitely setting up this whole three episode or i arc i should say it was definitely setting up a bigger picture of heroes not being as strong as we think they are that something big is building and that there's a lot more people we need to get screen time and learn more about because of they're going to be important if we want to fight against more of these so a lot of really big things all looking towards the future. There's actually a couple moments in this arc in the manga that wasn't covered here that I think we'll get at the beginning of season five, which will be super cool. There's just a couple of moments there as well. That's something that I know when we watched it, a lot of people were complaining about that it jumped around a little bit. So I'm curious to see how that is without any spoilers, how they handle that going into season five. But I think we wrap it up there. But before we wrap it up, we have to do plus ultra reward very quickly. And with it being a whole season, I want you to pick three characters. You don't need to give me full in-depth reasons, but three characters, when you think back on season four, this was their season. They went plus ultra, new, existing, doesn't matter. Even if they're dead, they deserve a spotlight in season four. Okay, I think I got them. All right, I'll give you my first three so you can think about it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But mine is Mirio, Fatgum, and 
um, Kaminari. Really? Not Kaminari, Kirishima. Kimishiro yeah. Kimishima. Yeah. I'm sorry. That Feckums, one of my favorites. He came out of nowhere. He's just such a cool character, character design. Uh, Kirishima, getting the character growth and backstory that we've always wanted. And then Mir, obviously having an arc and just being such a cool character. All three of them are the stars of season four for me. Yeah, I, I think my list is pretty close. I think it's definitely Mirio. I think it's definitely Kirishima. And that last third spot, I think it's really, really tough to actually pick one. Um, I don't think I would choose uh, Fatcom per se. But honestly, I would probably choose Endeavor. Uh, because Endeavor is my fourth. He I just literally went plus ultra. He literally went That's plus true. ultra. So. That's true. But no. Uh, thank you all so much for uh, tuning in to our season four recap. As I said, next week, there's going to be a season four of Primer. We're going to be pretty much putting out some open questions for you guys to think about going into season five, talking about a couple of things that we've talked about in our YouTube videos of moments we want to see or hope to see in season five and all kinds of other things. So make sure to check that out. But then the week after that is we are actually going into season five. We are so close. It's so here. Thank you so much for all of that. Make sure to follow us on twitter.com slash class one, a pod. Follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash class one, a we do exclusive YouTube content now that you cannot get anywhere else. So make sure to check that out and subscribe so you can see all of our content there. But leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast. But most importantly, I will see each and every one of you next Saturday for the Season 5 Primer. See you guys then.